Um, good evening, ladies and gents. Oh my God, ladies and gents, kings, queens, things, everyone, and everybody in between. <laughs> welcome back to this. Welcome back to Reality Rewind. And mm -hmm. this week, we are going to pay homage to um, someone who, at one point, was a icon and a living legend. Unfortunately, he's dead now. So like. <laughs> And a major inspiration in my life. Oh, big time. Person, same thing, same thing, same so, thing. Still a legend, but um, just not living anymore. He's just not living anymore. He's and this, one of the ancestors, man. He truly, he's one of the ancestors. Mm -hmm. Um, also, this documentary features a bit of Kirk Franklin, and I don't know why. A lot of Kirk Franklin, actually. Um, More Kirk Franklin than I ever thought I would. But need. it's only what was it? It was only that one song. It's I think that's the song they could like they could like pay for. It. It's like that Tyler Perry movie where they only play that one Nina Simone song. What they did was they came up with the title and they're like, you know what we need? Modern, modern gossip. It's the gossip song, Andre Leon. It's the gospel of Andre Leon. Gospel, not gossip. So they got my they got Kirk Franklin. It was revolution in case y'all want oh, to know it. what that's the song. one song. Do you, you want, want a revolution? revolution? Whoop, whoop. <laughs> that bullshit. I hate that song. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I would have preferred Stomp. I mean, because I, I still hate that shit. Stomp. I could get to it. I mean, at that point, we could have just did Shackles if we were just doing the nonsense. <laughs> why didn't we get Shackles? Because why do we want? Shackles? Or why didn't we get? It's the God in me. We could have got God in me. But well, why do we want it? Shackles is good. Shackles is a bop. Shackles is tolerable. Uh, Shackles is a bop. Shackles is, a, is it's a bop. It's a bop. Especially when old niggas get out there and start hustling to it. Yeah, it's a bop. But that—that's because you niggas are heathens. <laughs> but also, whatever. We're just whatever. Old niggas I would have taken revolution over shackles. Oh yes, but at least well, I mean. They, I don't think they got paid either, so never mind. <laughs> we'll just strike that comment. I mean, I, just, I prefer to see God's little angel jumping around than either of the Marys. <laughs> that man is chaotic. <laughs> he is. He and is. one of the Marys is equally as chaotic. But what's her name? I don't know. I don't uh, know them for real. I, I just really realized they, they wasn't married. Campbell. Whoever the Campbell woman was, the one that didn't vote for Trump. Ain't they both Campbells? Ain't they sisters? Not, I didn't think they were sisters. I don't think was. I think they sisters. I think they're just friends. Again, the way I just realized that both their names was not Mary. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> it's like, I don't know Mary. Mary with the I. Mary with the I E. Mary with the Y. I really thought both their names was Mary. They do have that Tony, Tony, Tony thing happening. It's like, oh, it must be three niggas named Tony. Just spelled different. They are sisters. Erica oh, Atkins yeah. Campbell and Trishina Atkins Campbell. Damn. Maybe it's Erica Campbell that I'm thinking of. No, Tashina sounds right. Erica Campbell Trishina. came off. Trishina. She sounds like the one I'm talking about. Because Erica Campbell rolled off of the mouth too easy. I'm like, I think I've spoken about this. Tina. One. She goes by Tina. This one? Oh, no. Erica is the one that I, yep. Erica's the one. Erica's the one. She's the saving grace of Mary and the Mary. That's the one that had the cheating ass husband. Yes. Bettina Campbell. That's the one Trumpian. that voted for Trump. Yeah. It's a hardcore Trumpian. So. But also kind of misogynistic and homophobic. I take that for like as just an aspect of it. Okay. So anyway, back to people who matter. This bitch is over here suplexing herself into the floor. Yeah, I don't know what's happening out there. You saw I looked, and I'm just like, immediately no. Immediately no. Because what? Like, what the fuck happens in my house? Like, I just don't, I don't understand why the people in my house can't just go sit the fuck down. What are we doing? Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Jesus H. Christ. Like... Jesus Lamar Christ, come down and touch my asshole. <laughs> Jesus Lamar Christ. What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said Lamar, oh, Jesus Lamar Odom, come touch my mm -hmm. That's not what I said. Lamar. Jesus Lamar Christ. And he can wash his hands. No. <laughs> we found that out. Boy. And he sprinkles crack places. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> He got, he's chaotic. I don't know. He has a lot going on. He's extremely chaotic. Sorry, and no, he does not wash his hands. Sorry. 
Go back to what matters. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, so this week we'll be discussing the gospel of Andre Leon Talib, which was such a feel good. It was it was a very feel good film. It was very fun good. to watch him just be an old bitty. Like, yes. It was just fun. He spent, he, okay. So part of this, he's sitting on the porch of his home and he's speaking. He's doing interviews on his porch. But he's on his porch because there are people removing a tree from his front yard. So he's watching the workers. Watch that shrub. Remove the tree. And he keeps yelling, watch my shrub. What? Watch the shrub is shrub. there. Because if you hit the shrub, and I'm just like, he's so obsessed with the shrub. Like, <laughs> But he's just sitting there very much like your grandma would and right. just like side-eyeing these workers while trying to do the interview at the same time. Like this and nigga, like, you know he made son too. But it's also, that's such an old Southern thing because it's like, they're not going to rip me off. Let me watch them do the work. <laughs> well, I have the tree people coming this evening, darling. I, I need to make sure that it's done correctly because of my shrubs. Right. And that I want them to smash my shrubs. I won't be able to make it to the Russian tea room this evening, but tomorrow might be free if they get this damn tree out of my yard. <laughs> like that is Andre Leon Talley. It is. It is. Andre Leon Talley talks tree. Like, Yes. <laughs> he speaks like he is in a Betty Davis movie. Mm-hmm. And not just it's it's very vaudeville it's very vaudeville it's very vaudeville and there's it's just full of these kernels of just knowledge and experience yeah um even Bo was like yeah the way that he speaks is so it's very poetic it's poetic like, yeah, yeah it is it's it very much it, it's and it's very much an accent from literally nowhere like no one has this accent and it's just it's just what you do now like it's just it's like when Madonna started pretending to be British like it was <laughs> I mean it's that classic like that sixties like sixties, fifties, sixties, I have money accent. But specifically like, East Coast, I have money. Yeah. And it's mixed in with this with the, the very slightest sprinkle, the slightest sprinkle of ebonics, the slightest, just a little It's like to, it, yeah, it's like croutizing your salad. You Not even that like it's like when you get a salad know, and it's got dried fruit in it and except it only has three pieces. Yes. It's like that. <laughs> it don't happen often. But the way that he just like, the way he speaks and the references that he uses in the way in which he speaks. Like who sits around and talks about, you know what? This coat, this coat is, it's very dear to me. It's very darling. You know, it's something out of Tolstoy. Tolstoy. I think, I, I think that's actually what I said. I said I wanted Tolstoy. And I was like, what? Yes, God, yes, I want this to be my life. <laughs> this is very much inspiration for the, the post 40 era of my life. <laughs> yes. Um, Mama already has a pretty impressive captain collection. So it's uh, that's gonna be my next move. Oh, I'm comfortable. I have so many. I wear them Elegantly all summer. I know now you see that I'm sitting here in this like bodycon t-shirt dress, but normally I would be in a captain. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> or some type of linen button front number. Like, as long as it does not touch me. <laughs> Easy and breezy, yeah. Through summer, it's like as little fabric can touch me as possible. So. Um, well, speaking of fashions and fabrics, looking at, it was interesting and enjoyable to relive and experience some of these collections that mm -hmm. Andre got to interview designers like Carl Lagerfeld, who we became very good friends with, um, Calvin Klein, um, oh my goodness, oh, there was so Galliano. Many. Yeah, they showed Gautier for just a spec. I think a they did show Gautier. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't long. It was, it was like, like you that. would have missed them if you didn't. Um, being able to like relive these and then like even like some of these vintage, like my favorite Louis Vuitton show ever which was the like 78 show where they had the big steamer I think he, yeah, well, Mark in the Jacobs was for, I think it was said it was Mark Jacobs. Yeah, it was a long yeah. time ago. Um, and then I also am high, so I don't know what year I just said, but. 78. That wasn't the right year. I knew what you, I knew what you collection knew what I meant, okay. <laughs> um, the collection, like the, everyone came out of this big French. It's like a big steamer car. Yeah. Like, it's like the front of like a steamer a train. train. Yeah. 
And for those of you young people who don't know what the fuck a steamer is. Yeah, because I'm I'm clearly elderly. Like <laughs> we had history. And so, <laughs> we took history at school. And I also, well, so okay. Two oh, no, I pandemic happened. So three years ago, maybe three, four years ago, um, Louis Vuitton had a pop-up exhibit here that I went to. Mm-hmm. And it was like all the different bags, clothing, you know, all like just through the years, right? Yeah. And you came in. I'm sorry. What's up? I'm just like that. <laughs> oh, trying to wrangle this yeah, it's the children. It's a lot <laughs> happening. Anyway, but you came in at, through like the front of the steamer car, similar to the one that you that was set up in the show Mm -hmm. and that's how you kind of got in because they started with going through trunks and stuff like that so it was fun to kind of you know relive that and i have a pin from it somewhere i don't know where it is i don't even know where that jacket is that had it on it Uh, that 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 as being a part of a fashion exhibit is honestly a fucking brilliant idea yeah it is oh very much so yeah especially a little bit because they started in track like they started making luggage luggage yeah. like it was train cases that's literally how they got they started it makes so much sense yeah uh you're having a time and i don't know what's happening <laughs> because i started thinking about so Andre leon tally goes Oh, I was frightened of moving to New York. I took 13 pieces of unmatching luggage and I was scared and I died. (laughs) I love that he specified it was 13 13 pieces of unmatching luggage. luggage. (laughs) That is something that at least in my life, I would never actually think about it. Oh, I do. I I don't care. I'm just trying to get to work. I be stressed. (laughs) I... Hey, when my luggage does not match, it stresses me the fuck out. That's why it's like, can I just take one bag? Because if I gotta take two big ones, they're not gonna match. It's gonna piss me out. Can I just take one? <laughs> is it? Is there a way I can do this shit with one bag? Uh-huh. You see my, you see my makeup train cases match my stand. I hate when the stuff yeah. doesn't match. Yeah. <laughs> That's not something I would think about, especially oh, not just for like clothes. Ooh, the like, sheer throw stress. This shit in. Let's get the fuck the on. sheer stress of walking through an airport with mismatched luggage. I can't. Like, <laughs> might as well be wearing mismatched shoes at that point. That's not my stress. My stress is going through TSA and either A being popped or B being so high that I get lost and miss my flight. Well, Much like my stress surrounding the train here. I mean, through TSA, I get pulled every time. So <sighs> that Mm-mm. getting pulled by TSA don't mean shit to me. I've been getting pulled by TSA because I have an inhaler. Oh. And albuterol sets off the thing. So I get pulled every fucking time. I've never not been. I get pulled every time domestically. Yeah. Never international. Never get pulled when I go international. Domestic, mm-hmm. every fucking time. My so when I was a kid, I was going to D.C. for some stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was in high school. My mother was with me at the airport. And they let her in the back with me. But we had to, this was during a period where we had to take, we still had to take the shoes off. Yeah, um, unless you have TSA pre-check like me. Well, her shoes set it off because my grandmother was on nitroglycerin. Yeah. So imagine... Like, I thought it was hilarious. My mother being pulled aside and being asked about why nitroglycerin is on her shoe. <laughs> I'm sitting there like an ignorant son of a bitch just cracking the fuck up. Because <laughs> in my mind, it's like, what kind of wild shit are they going like, to pin on this lady? What else would it be for? Because <laughs> you know what they, what you use it for. So it's like, what the fuck else would it be? I was dying. I was like, oh shit, this is not going to end well. It was fine. She explained it all. And it was, yeah. it was reasonable and real. So they were like, it's okay. What's wild is, and I can say this because fuck it, it don't matter. I have flown with edibles in my bag and I get pulled. I love y'all do. And I get pulled for my fucking inhaler. Yeah. And the what what makes it what make it even wilder is that I am not the bitch that remembers to take the edibles out of the original packaging. So the original shit be in my bag. They go through my whole ass bag, push them to the side <laughs> to find the fucking inhaler. <laughs> 
I was, I'm, I'm always like, y'all that fly with edibles, y'all are brave. I fly with edibles like almost all the time. Shit, bitch, at this point in time, I won't even fly with lighters. You I, ain't gonna confiscate my good lighter. Bitch. I don't fly with lighters. I, her at home. I don't fly with lighters. But I also, the thing about it is, I'm more likely to get pulled because of my setting spray than because of an edible. Because they're not looking for candy. They're looking for shit that's spray. I yeah. travel with makeup cases. Oh, they definitely gonna go through all that. I get pulled on, like, as I have powders and all kinds, I get pulled on the fucking time because I travel with makeup cases. Yeah. Expect, like, if it's a heavy travel time where I got, like, jobs in different states, I might have seven, eight different powders in there. I'm yeah. definitely getting pulled. I got eight things of setting spray. I'm getting pulled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it was like like we were saying earlier, it was interesting to be able to see these people's collections through the eyes and interviews of Andre Leon Talley. He, like very many people before us at Open Doors, he was the black man, um, not just in uh, domestic fashion or American fashion, but very much so in international fashion. And they kind of didn't let him forget it. He talks about how there was a woman that would call him Queen Kong, yeah. and there was a lot of, they didn't let him forget that he was the other. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's better than me because I actually left working in fashion in that capacity because of that. I I decided I didn't want to spend my whole career being othered. Yeah. I didn't love this enough to deal with that. Like I still love fashion and style and all of that, but I didn't love the business enough to deal with consistently doing that. Cause I was either othered because of my race or my size. Because I can remember working fashion shows and they're like, hey, the big girl over there, the big girl. And it was always, that was always what it was. That is rude. Very rude. (laughs) I was always other by either my race or my size. Mm -hmm. Because I was always the darkest in the room and usually the biggest. And I'm not even that big, but you know what I'm saying. Like, Yeah. I, as, as much as I enjoy, like, designs and the artistry of it um the fashion and the fashion industry is the most boiled down version of capitalism that is readily available and it's so fucked up and so toxic and it really like the industry in and of itself is terrible yeah but that doesn't like i still love the industry and the culture surrounding it yeah but that doesn't mean that I don't, I love fashion. I love fashion. I love fashion shows. I love getting to see the creative process unfold. I like, I genuinely love getting dressed in the morning, mm-hmm. but it's because you know me, like I'll take time and I'll be putting outfit after outfit together. And Except for that one day we're always like, you going out like that. The one day you allowed yourself to breathe and relax. <laughs> Everybody who knows me knows it. So there was a particular day I was leaving the house in sweatpants and they weren't fashion sweatpants. And the you thing was like, I'm chilling today. I'm I had chilling. on like sweatpants and t-shirt. It was a rough day. And I get asked, are you going outside like that? Like, <laughs> because like everybody that, that knows me. And I'm, the, okay. I'm the person who I get asked, am I okay if I wear jeans? Like that's just <laughs> how it goes in my life. But it's like, I love, 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 love getting dressed, putting outfits together, dressing other people. Like, I love the individual styles. I don't mm-hmm. think, I'm not one of those weirdos. It's like, oh, you're so out of fashion. No, I love seeing those individual style yeah, expressions. I let my kids dress themselves. Like, I don't, it's always been, y'all get what y'all like. Like, I love that personal expression. I feel like our clothes, our makeup, hair, that kind of stuff is really where we get to shine. Yeah. And I think everyone should. That being said, I realized very quickly I hate the business of fashion. Yeah. And as much as I wanted to work in it to, you know, try to bring a different perspective, Mm -hmm. I just don't like it. And I just, I knew I'd be miserable 
if I stayed in those spaces. It's all, yeah. it's so phony. It's so fake. It's so one dimensional. Even when you try to introduce something else, it's still, and you know, like even with Andre Leon Talley, like he tried really hard to introduce other perspectives, but it's like, it's so many roadblocks. There's so much money in this one perspective of fashion. Mm-hmm that they don't even want the other stuff, you know? No, they. the thing is that when it when it comes to fashion- Or they want it on their terms. They want it on their terms so that they can commodify it and that they can profit off it. Mm-hmm. Like now we're seeing more body, body positivity in the fashion industry as a whole. We're seeing more people of color in the fashion industry yeah. as a whole from designers to models, to PR people, to even like set designers and managers mm-hmm. for all of these things, right? But that is also because it is, it's not a thing of ethics, it's not a thing of morality. It's because that right now, workspaces of diversity are profitable. Are profitable, yeah. And that's why, that's why and I say- And showing like, that like, you the are diverse. Is built off of nothing more than exploitation and um, uh, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a big level of artistry involved in it, but even that is compounded by the racism, the classism, yeah. um, the capitalism. The the anti specifically anti blackness the homophobia which is strange. Um, I don't know. The if, I don't think it's homophobia. strange because if you think about it's not strange because that home the fashion industry homophobia is usually directed at really feminine or trans people or gays of color. <laughs> Which is the same type of homophobia. And that's only really tied to wealth, though. Right. That's really tied to Right, but that's the same type of... The class. It's the the coexisting. That's the same type of homophobia and classism that you deal with just just existing in the gay community anyway. So that actually doesn't surprise me. It always it always surprised me to a certain degree because you would think of the fashion industry, at least from the outside looking in, as being, from the artistic standpoint, people that think about the world and the world around us in varying ways in different ways and, and this is why continuously evolve that vision but that's why i but separate fashion their politics <laughs> not even that that's why i separate fashion from the fashion industry i mean having right? john galliano in this documentary oops oof, oof. let's be honest Yikes. That's why I separate because the fashion is the artistic expression. Yeah. That is the creative portion. When you put industry behind it, it's business at that point. It it's, is. And it's just like any other capitalistic venture. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be the same shit that you yeah. run into in any other capitalistic venture. Because like women's wear is the number one selling across the board. Yeah. But so few women are in positions of power through the industry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's once you put the word industry behind anything, it becomes a man's world, specifically a white man's world. Yeah. It's very much like par for the course. It's business as usual. Yeah. It's like the fashion part is the creative part. That's the part we love. It's the industry part that we know. Yeah. No, completely. And to an extent, I feel like Andre was the same way. Like, yeah, I think he even so much has said it. Like, he that's why he stayed in the editorial space of it. So he didn't have to deal with the business part. Yeah. Um, they talk about him starting off at interview and moving from interview to women's word daily and into the magazine, which we all know and love him for, um, editor at large. I know. It, okay, I know. so this is gonna sound fucked up, but he said it, not me, and I cackled. He said it, and it was funny, and he said it a couple times, yes. and it's forever and always going to be funny he to goes, me. Editor at large. Okay, fat joke. He made it about himself. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Oh, darling, I started to bloat like a manatee. See, that's how I refer to myself as a manatee," and I <laughs> fucking screamed. He kept saying he was a manatee. It was very, very hilarious to me. (laughs) That is the most ridiculous yet empowering thing that I've heard all day today. (laughs) I agree. I thoroughly agree. Oh my God. But 
becomes editor at large. Um, we get interviews with Anna Winter in this. And I don't know if this was specifically done for this documentary or if they took that footage from somewhere else. Because there was a small shift in camera style and lighting for the Anna Winter one. But knowing Anna Winter, she might have I about to say, knowing Anna Winter, it was at her house and she already had her own lighting set up. There it and is. that's why it was a difference in the camera. It's like, you're going to get from this angle. Yeah. And this is like, because she don't do interviews for a reason. Rarely. Mama never talks. <laughs> rarely. Every, it's like every five to six years, you might hear her utter two sentences. And, and it's just it. to let you know that she's still alive. That she's not a cyborg. Like apparently Carl Lagerfeld is more on that later. Carl Lagerfeld is dead. So. So you think. We'll get it to her. Okay. Sure. All right. Whatever. Um, I don't know where that's going, so I I, I have no insight here. <laughs> it was it was interesting, like seeing that, seeing Anna Wintour in this, um, mainly just because I, I forget that I think the documentary came out in 2017, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until a few years, but a few short years later that Andre Leon Talley and Anna Wintour had kind of publicly fallen out yeah um and then a few like another few short years after that he unfortunately had passed um because he did pass away what this year early this year this year or last year i think it was jane let me let me get the exact date like it was super recent yeah he like just passed away yeah yeah let me get the exact date google tell me in a second um but anna as always, like speaks very highly of him. Um, actually, says that he's gay, which many people in this documentary just did not that did not say at all out loud. Um, we just that all assumed. Not who I asked. Who was? They didn't gave me Andre Lebron. Who the fuck is that? He a football player. Oh, is he cute? He was. But... Okay. Well, they got that. He died January eighteenth of this year. It was so. It was this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. In White yeah. Plains, New York, actually not far from here. Yeah, that's where the house was with the shrubs. Yeah, with the shrubs. <laughs> the house with the shrubs. <laughs> Is that did that house sell? I don't know. Uh, let's so sad. So sad. Um. Yeah, but Anna Winter speaks highly of him. As because they're on good terms. They haven't gotten to the to the conversation. We haven't experienced the conversation of Andre Leon Talley need to go needing to go to a fat farm by Anna Wintour. And I think it was Anna Wintour and Carl Lagerfeld that both told him that. Yeah. Okay, so this is my thing, right? Carl Lagerfeld was good friends with Andre Leon Talley, so technically still on topic. All right. So the so, legal battle has been settled, uh-huh. but I don't know who owns this house. That's only a million dollars. Okay. So this is my theory. Well, not my theory. This is a friend's theory. I just think it's thoroughly entertaining and I like to repeat it because it's stupid. Um, A friend from years ago, for a long time, believed that Carl Lagerfeld had originally died and he was really a robot bot. And he always wore gloves to cover so the fucking circuitry the in this <laughs> So, full disclosure, this not the first the time I heard that. That did not believe in space. Uh, again, full <laughs> disclosure, not the first time I heard somebody say that. It's so stupid. And they, because the they expounded on that theory. And the theory was that Carl Lagerfeld and Barbara Walters were the beginning of a cyborg army. This sounds like that um, was going to wipe out the human race. This the this person, sounds like QAnon theories. The person who said this also said that oceans weren't real. So, so and I when I said not real. So what exactly? They said it's light reflections. It's a way to, for the government to keep you in certain places. I said, like, what about people who never see oceans? How that work? And it, it just, it went a weird circle. So we can go get in it. Yeah, we can stand in the, like, it, it's water. I, it's, it went, it went to weird places. I don't, I still don't quite know what that conversation was doing, but it went to some odd places. Yeah, these people, you know. <laughs> but apparently Carl Lagerfeld is not dead. He is a robot. He's, He's in hiding. Like, He's hiding. 
By the grace of God, I'll tell you that. We are, we're still dealing with Barbara Walters' curse on national television to this day. Oh, we don't need to see Babs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She's funny. Sherry Old Terry is the only Barbara Walters I respect around here. And that's it. I met Barbara Walters at a fashion show. She's funny. And she, I know she is. She came in with some little young boy who had, I mean, young to her. He was like 30. And he was like holding her up. And she walked in because she was walking hella slow. She's like 127 years old. Yes, it's still alive. She's walking so slow. So she like walks in with this boy essentially as her cane. Because mm-hmm. that's really what his function was. He was her cane. It's probably her nurse or her and driver. Walks over to the seat. And he was very cute, right? And he's like, he's standing there. He's kind of holding her arm, you know, kind of, you know, propping her or whatever, mm-hmm. while a couple of photographers take pictures. This lady shouts out. She said, anybody that want pictures, take them now, because once I sit down, I ain't getting back up. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, man. And what made it even funnier is that she did not have a seat for her cane. He had to go stand by the door and wait and wait till the show was over to come back to get her. This whole scenario was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> all right. I have some newfound respect for Barbara Walters. <laughs> Thanks, Babs. The whole situation was so funny. Did Andre Leon Talley ever do? I thought he did do a Barbara Walters interview. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that there was no footage of that. Like, we got a little bit of Whoopi on her tacky ass shoes. But I mean, we those damn doll shoes was really stressing me out. Like, what is this? Okay, so here's the thing, right? The her taste is eclectic. It's eclectic. I ain't so, said no. Like I said. I'm. I let you rock. I'm not saying that's it. All right, it's a click. Shout out to you, up. sis. Shout out to you. I mean, I'm here. Okay, whatever. I'm here for a click. I but mean, why they always look like Dutch clogs, bitch? That's what I'm saying. They're like gingham Dutch clogs. Like what? Every pair of shoes. It's like, like she Dutch went clogs. and bought all the wooden shoes out of that area and then painted different colored gingham prints. <sighs> it's like fancy elf shoes. It's like if the well, elf we do went to eyes. They're like the shoes that the Munchkins wear. You were friends with this woman. Well, he probably loves them. They're like shoes the Munchkins wear in the Wizard of Oz. Like she's about to set the the lollipop guild. That is what these shoes look like. She do love like a little striped legging too. Mama looks like she's representing the lollipop guild. I don't understand what we're doing. Like if you take them off her legs and roll up under the heels. Like, I don't get it. It looks like Holland's version of the Wicked Witch after the house has already fallen. It's a Dutch clog that is bedazzled and with bows on it. Some black and white striped leggings and a fucking uh, Lisa Renna oversized cardigan. I can't even say cardigan. (laughs) No cold shoulder because Whoopi gets cold. She likes her shoulders to be warm. If you watch the view, you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, But Damn it, what were we talking about? <laughs> I started talking about fucking shoes. Um, oh, this woman's shoes were terrible. Yes, but, and it's important because Whoopi was in the documentary talking about outfit. We didn't just randomly get on Whoopi. No, shoes. she's in the documentary. She's doing the documentary in her fucking closet. And By I the grace of God, we see her twice. By what these shoes were doing. But it's. <laughs> um, but then he also talks about his relationship with his mother, right? Because we know. <laughs> Mother and grandmother. Yeah. Because that's kind of important. So this is the together. thing. I mean, y'all may know Andre Leon Taylor, y'all may not, but he was like 6'6". Six, six. This man was like 300 pounds, probably bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And so he's a huge guy. Like he's not even <laughs> when he was thinner, because you see photos when he was younger and he was a lot thinner. He said he was thin until he hit about 40, and then all of a sudden he like blew up. That's where the manatee line came in. That's where the manatee line I bloated came. like a manatee. Yeah. I, that's how I referred to myself as a manatee. <laughs> yes. But it's he's still six six and he's black and he's 
He's a big man in a world full of tiny white people. And he's really gay. Yeah. And, and loud and flamboyant. Loud and flamboyant and dramatic and uses the accent from nowhere. And he wears these like big coats and caftans and, and capes and capes and things. And he talked about how he went to a thrift store and he got this cape. It was like $5. I don't, he said it was like a rubberized cape mm-hmm. or some sort. And he was so excited. He was like, I'm going to wear it to church because, you know, you put on your Sunday's best, right? Don't laugh, bitch. It's like, <laughs> this is a, a true story. And, uh, <laughs> so he, uh, okay. he gets his, he gets his up in his things. He gets his, his gig going. And he throws his cape on and they get to the church and his mama says, I cannot walk in there with you like that. You're going to have to hang back. And he said, what? And she said, you're not coming in here with me with this fan of what I for a cape on. <laughs> it always be your own people. Mm-hmm. It always, it's always your own family that just decides that they're going to turn on you in a heartbeat. And that's when he realized that they don't they accept him, him like yeah. he thought they don't get him they don't understand him and that's what pushed the move to new york and i also still feel like that yes his mother was wrong in saying that but he did look like the family of the opera i was kind of into the cake personally but <laughs> same but i would go into it and somebody's like i can't hang out with your family of the opera looking ass it's like well you know what bitch i'm gonna hang in the rafters <laughs> and if you want to scrap when this shit is done bitch i will come down Fuck that accordion. Accordion? Harmonica? What the fuck was that big ass piano thing? Organ. <laughs> An organ. <laughs> I was like, accordion? Fuck that organ. What was the accordion? I could see it. I just couldn't think of the name. <laughs> fuck that organ. I'm gonna fuck your ass up. Oh my God. <laughs> That, Come that down like a, tuxedo mass on that ass, bitch. That was a, a trip around the world. I have to say. <laughs> That's but no, and then he because it's I'm very I say this is uh, this is quite rambling, but it's <laughs> you know he would talk a lot about how he, <laughs> his relationship with his mother and grandmother were weird because they didn't quite get him, and he's like I love them, but well, no, his grandmother was his saving grace. Yeah, oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, yes, 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 which kind of showed the uh. I, a real dichotomy between like the women in his life like he mm-hmm. could not stand his mother he, he said just because she's my mother doesn't mean that I have to like her it just means I have to love and respect her mm-hmm. um, but he absolutely adored his grandmother he like many of us um, absolutely especially we were when if we were like either chunky or really awkward and tall kids all of us loved our grandmothers because our grandmothers or was really a safe dark. space if you did not look, if you weren't light, bright, with a, a, a loose curl, oh, grandma was always our safe space. And some of y'all with a loose curl. But I mean, seen. grandma would still call you black and nappy, but... My grandmother she, never did. Well, my grandma would do this. She'd be like, you're getting kind of pudgy there. That's what my it's like, grandparents thanks, grandma. would Thanks for feeding into that body dysmorphia. It's like, you, uh, it was always a... You feeling out a little bit, right? And it then was, you lose the weight, and it's like you're a little skinny. You need to go what eat. The you fuck need a sandwich. You it's like I don't. Y'all are giving me. You okay? You're looking issues. a little skinny. It's like, well, I was pudgy before. You told me I was fat a week ago, <laughs> and now I'm fine. too skinny. It's like you niggas just got to have a comment. Uh, but his grandmother, he talks Grand, fondly about like definitely kicked into my body this morning. <laughs> no, it like ran up. Sorry, the um. The surge protector hit the desk. Oh, bitch, I was like, <laughs> you thought that? What did you think happened? I don't know, bitch. Things happened. I was like, out. what's going on? No, surge protector cut off. It's, it's trying to happen sometimes. He very fondly is throughout the entire documentary. He talks about his grandmother's biscuits. Yeah, his how his. There's a lot of biscuits whole tray. In this bitch, let me tell you. It's so much time talking about biscuits. Like I was very, I was like, yes. But then he also said his grandma would give him a whole tray. He would eat it, and I'm thinking, as a person who was made a homemade biscuit, the hoes be sick. Like when did you? How did you poop? When he found out, so um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit from the fondness of his grandmother's biscuits. He loves biscuits. 
spaghetti middleland. Mm -hmm. He finds out how many calories because he's been talking to a nutritionist. At this point, he had lost roughly about 31 pounds. Um, he asked a nutritionist, how many calories are in a biscuit? She said 550. He said in one. <laughs> And was like, I'll never eat another biscuit like, again. I can't have another biscuit again. And then he's like, I lost 31 pounds, but it probably would have been more if I didn't eat the biscuit. Right. He and was, was like, I'm, I'm making, I'm still going to make like sacrifices and reward myself. But that was just too big. The biscuit just was too big. And right. I was like, there's so much talk about this he biscuit. Said, <laughs> I mean, the biscuit was the size of a Rococo cake. I was like, oh, okay. Yes, and I'm just like, oh, you so gay, honey, because only gays know Rococo cake. I know that nutritionist was just sitting there like, only I have no idea what you're talking about, but this is a good time. No Rococo cake. When he said, hold on, I'm sorry to have to call your room, but I messaged you two days ago and I haven't gotten a reply. All of that was about the biscuit. It was how many calories are in a biscuit. That's what it was. The nutritionist is probably on bay fucking She was like, oh. 510. Like she completely fucking saying, forgot. Hello, I want to know how many calories like, are in I a biscuit. Because I want ago, one. And you did not tell me how many calories are in a biscuit. Is this it, woman is on vacation with and her And then family. he got the information after he ate the biscuit. Right. And was just stressed. And it's like, you could have just not ate the biscuit. Him and these biscuits <laughs> was like, him in general just took me out. But him and these biscuits were hilarious it was i don't I think y'all really understand how much time was spent on this biscuit like yeah, yes no it was, it's it's a common it piece a thing, throughout the like, entire documentary if you go through like and just cut it up you would get a good 25 minutes of him talking about biscuits. just biscuits like it's <laughs> it i did like it i did love the reference like the referring back to um his grandmother's biscuits as being like this place of um, home and this place mm -hmm. of love um because anytime he talked about his grandmother it was with more than the utmost um respect in a way that she raised him because essentially his his parents essentially abandoned him like he's he talks about his father still being in his life but his father was living in in dc while and then andre also, was in the South. so andre had a a friend who was straight like a straight male friend and his dad would always bring him on all the outings because it was almost like he needed a buffer between him and his gay son because they would go do things like oh let's go play baseball and then we'll go shopping yeah or let's go do whatever other stereotypical manly thing and then we could do the thing andre wants you know like it was all it was like he needed this buffer between him and his gay son also him and the friends sitting there flipping through photo albums and shit hilarious yeah it's just two old men just two old men sitting there talking shit to each having other. a whole conversation about why one of them eat five hot dogs a day andre was so stressed that his friend ate five hot dogs every day that, he was the like, biscuits came biscuits the was biscuits the whole reason up. why this conversation started because yes. the friend was like well your mama your grandmother used to give you a whole tray of biscuits but the friend goes essentially like well, I can't talk. I eat five hot dogs a day. And I was just like, why are you eating five hot dogs a day? That is not healthy. <laughs> and the friend's like, well, you eat caviar. He's like, but you're eating hot dogs. And the friend, what about the salt in the caviar? It's like, I'll break you classy, nigga. You know that it's salty and briny. <laughs> All right. Get that bitch. Right. What about the salt? What about the salt? It's more salt than my hot dog. What about the monosodium sodium glutamate? Get him. <laughs> It's like so much of this documentary was so funny. It was really just, it's like they just followed him having his regular conversations and he was just being a little pleasant old lady. Like it That's was, it. it's like so funny. He's it's so reminiscent. So colorful. Like every, everything painted a picture. He's very Sophia Petrillo. It's yes, so honestly, yeah. funny. Like it's just. Honestly, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, when he was with, okay, so we meet many of Andre's um, friends through the past. They're, mm -hmm. they're the bulk of this documentary. Yeah. You get a couple of spots with Tom Ford, who essentially Tom Ford, Mark Jacobs, Anna Winter, all of them essentially said the same thing, right? They all do, they all say what is expected of, I hate to put it this way, they all say what is expected of white people when in the situation where they're, um, they have to speak highly of someone or or it's implied that it's required 
for you to speak highly on someone. They all essentially said the same fucking thing. We all know what the fuck that is. It is the black people in this that make it for fucking me. It is the black people in this, except for his one friend that he went to college with, that he went to Brown with, the one that made every article of clothing look matronly. With that tussled ass hair, with yes. that freshly, I'm over 60 and I just got fucked hair. Imagine that. Imagine your grandma. No. Why would you <laughs> Imagine your grandma getting up on a Sunday morning. That's so it smelled like nothing but dick and sweaty ah! pussy. And she got that freshly fucked Why hair. Why would you Trying ever? to make you and a new nigga breakfast. You're so rude. Why would you do that? <laughs> grandma ain't even, grandma got fucked so good. She ain't even take a shower. She's no, just like, let me get up and eat you, baby. That's got to hear this lady ass. She was trying to be too sexy for her own good. She's trying to be too sexy for her own good. And it's like, ma'am, you ruining those clothes. Shut <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I don't even know that lady. Sorry, all this thing because she tried on a pair of gold <laughs> shoes that made her feet look hella baby. And Andre told her to put on the red suede was instead. And that's when he went on his whole ass rant because she had these baby ass feet. And it's like, I don't, I just, I don't know why we went here. I don't know why grandma's is fucking. I wish we could stop. I don't like none of this. Like, I don't want to be here. Leave me alone. She got. She was part show. of the Miracles Vane gang. I'm going to quit the show now. I can't. This is a lie. Like, I don't know what I'm going I did not. I also did not like her. The shoe itself was very pretty. Did not like her. No, the shoe was cute. She and just ruined it. Shoe, like, she needed the red one. That gold one just made her feet look wild, baby, and blue. And she had on that purple cocktail dress in that fanny pack. Yeah, wasn't quite sure what her outfit was doing because it was wasn't even like a cocktail. It was like a sheep dress. Like this, like she went to the office and then she got this weird that's, baby yes, face exactly on. It. Like I, she like she just jumped out the secretarial pool. Like, <laughs> right. like I don't know why she had this fanny pack on. Well, I mean, you know what? The whole bag has gotten smaller, and Granny just got a black back blew out. So hey. okay, you know she got that pussy waxed, taxed, no. and drained. No, no, it, I don't rub know it that. down. Oh no, I don't know that, and I don't want to know that. No, what? no, I quit. <laughs> this is my last episode. This has been real. I, I what? I can't. I just can't. Oh no. Uh, okay, Granny got fresh. Fucking. Ah, stop it. But well, speaking of fucking, um, what? <laughs> One of, what is this transition? <laughs> One of the things that was like, there were a couple of things in this documentary documentary that were kind of heartbreaking. Um, but Andre Leon Talley speaking about never being in love or experiencing that kind of yeah, romance. He said that wasn't love. part of his life. That he wasn't had to focus on work. He he is a definition of just because I'm alone, I'm not lonely. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I say that is he speaks very highly of majority of the women in his life. From his relationship to actual and another actual Vogue editor, uh, Diana Breedland, mm-hmm. um, when they were working for Metro, what is it, Metro, the MoMA? Yeah. Yeah. When they were working for the MoMA, um, putting together an ex- exhibition of a collection um, to the point, like he speaks so highly of this lady to the point where he re essentially created rooms in um, a room in his home that was directly inspired by her. That was a direct hers. replica of her room, really. Oh, essentially, yeah. Um, of not just her room, but just her in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the, one of the like kind of saddest things, at least because you can see it in his eyes, was he created this room that was inspired by another woman that he loved in a house that he bought for the first woman, the first that, he woman that he loved. And yeah. this is the home in which she died in. Yes, it and is. she ended up having um, not lupus, lymphoma. Yes. Um. Yeah, that that has to be fucked. Like the only love you really get to experience, um, and you experience it's it for quite some time. You don't. Ex- you never get to experience romance. Well, not even that, but you lost like two of the right. biggest women in your, at least in the way that he speaks in his life. Um, 
and also not having and compounding that with not having a romantic partner. Um, I feel like, and this might be a little projection from my own uh, fucked up ass body dysmorphia and issues. I feel like the world in the fashion industry told Andre Leon Talley, you are smart, you are capable, you are, talent, you are talented, you, are, you speak eloquently, but you aren't desirable. And yeah. he in there and then internalized that because he was gaining weight and he was already a very large man um, and feeling uncomfortable already in your body and being in an industry that is going to tell you you're not you're undesirable um, would only help to feed and breathe that. Yeah. But he did, despite all of that, Andre Leontali was a man who unapologetically took up space and took yes. up as much of it as you can. And that's why he's always been such an inspiration to me because he did walk in the room like I'm big and black and gay and loud and dramatic and I'm going to be those things yeah. in your very white spaces and you're just going to deal. Also, you're going to make me a hot pink alligator coat. Yes. It was terrible. He even admitted that he was that it was terrible. I'm sorry, crocodile coat. He even admitted it was terrible. He said it was a dark day, and it was. It was terrible, terrible. Like, you know, the, the mistakes, darling. There have been mistakes. And it's funny because in the documentary, <laughs> you can't even see the whole coat. You see from like the shoulders up. You no, know? they show you the entire outfit because he had on some purple loafers, bitch. Oh, I just he had on gray silk tops, gray pajama bottoms, purple loafers, and uh, a hot I didn't even realize they even coat. showed the whole thing because I remember seeing it from the shoulders up, but I knew the outfit because and I just a white knew turban. The outfit, yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely, but there really isn't much more that happens in the documentary. Um, yeah. It does get a little bit repetitive, but to, to be expected. And they end on the worst possible shot ever. So when they close out this documentary, they end with the scene of him getting a facial or like getting the facial cleaned off. And it like freezes as he's he's like laying on this table with a little piece of this like face mask yes. still on his face. And they just put the gospel according to under. And it's like, this is But he awful. has a look of like, but he looks, oh shit, the camera's right here. Bitch. Yeah, it's like he either didn't know it's what like, was happening. Bitch, you got it close. Or, yeah, like, like he didn't know they were there. It's, no, I didn't like it. Um, All in all, I would say, on a scale of one to ten, I'd put it at like an eight five. Yeah, there were things that there were things in this documentary. There were very few things in this documentary documentary that did not make sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, like why Tyra wasn't in it, why Naomi wasn't necessarily spoken to, um, a Cindy Crawford, a Christy Brinkley. I mean, that all could have just been like scheduling though. That's fair. It very much could have not been like no malice or purpose of leaving them out. It could have just been they just couldn't get to them. That's fair. It was a little like because they didn't talk to, but also they were mainly focused on like less of his work in the 2000s and above and mm -hmm. more of more of his work in the 70s, 80s, yeah. and 90s. Which actually was the actually was really cool, a really cool place to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the gospel according to Andre Leon Telly. Mm -hmm. and, and I leave you with this question to ponder, niggas. <laughs> Do you want a revolution? Whoop whoop! All right, bye. <laughs>